Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 73 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. Before we dive into the episode, I want to encourage each of you that are listening to uh, sign up for the mailing list for the podcast. I've got a link in the show notes where you can sign up, answer a couple questions, and uh, I'll release that new episode and get it out in the email to you as soon as it comes out. I'm hoping to have that changed here very soon, hoping to have a uh, standalone website for the podcast up and running away from the host that I'm using. But as of this point in time, I don't have that quite yet, but I'm still trying to do that. Uh, also, I'd truly appreciate it if uh, you'd share a link to this episode or your favorite episode with your friends and family on your social media. I'd greatly appreciate it. This will certainly help to grow the podcast throughout Australia, as well as here in the United States and around the world. I'm up to, I believe, 34, 35 countries right now where people have listened to the podcast. It's been terrific. Also, I wanted to let you know that along with the uh, Redbubble store that I've opened up, where if you're interested in maybe a t-shirt or a couple stickers or something like that uh, from the podcast, I have also opened up my Buy Me a Coffee page. And that is a site that's like Patreon, that sort of thing, where if you're a fan of the podcast, and lots of podcasts have this sort of thing, um, gives you an opportunity if you if you want to do so to help support the person doing that show or that blog, if you'd want to do that. Uh, I've added a link to that in the show notes of this episode, and actually all the episodes I did that during one of our snow days this week. So if you'd be interested in doing that to help the podcast grow, I'd truly appreciate it. Any of the funds that come in for that are going to turn around and go right back into the uh, podcast to help uh, defer the cost of the, the hosting site. And as I mentioned, I'm in the process of trying to raise the funds to uh, get a standalone web page for the podcast up and running as well. So if you're at all interested in doing that, I would truly appreciate it. Definitely would give you a shout out on the podcast for helping out. That'd be fantastic. Like I said, the links for those are in the, uh, in the show notes. Now, in this episode, I wanted to take a look back at uh, round one of the AFLW season, give you my tips for round two, and touch on a couple stories that are in the news. And I think you already know what one of the stories is going to be, possibly the biggest story to come out of footy in the last several years, one of the biggest ones I can recall in the time that I've been following the game. Now, I tipped five out of the seven games correctly last week. I got my tips wrong with uh, the Blues and with the Doggies. So if you're a Blues supporter or you're a Doggies supporter, I apologize. I tipped your club to lose, or I picked, tipped your club to win, and you did not, I should say. Uh, but, you know, all I can say about round one is just, wow, what a start to the AFLW season. And and I know that I don't think I'm alone and thinking that, that, you know, the women's comp is going to be something that's going to improve every year. And I think the stats bear that out. Okay, I did a little bit of digging back through the, to the beginning of the existence of the AFLW. And going back to round number one in 2017, you had eight clubs playing at that point in time. And the average score of those four games was 40.8 to 11.3. So combined, the two clubs scored 52 points. And a lot of people were thinking, oh, good grief. People are only scoring 11 points a game. I can't watch this kind of thing. Well, hold on, okay? 2018 still had eight clubs in the comp. 
The average score in round one was 36.8 to 23.8, so almost 61 points scored at that point in time. So they increased the, the scoring output between the two clubs by almost 20%. In 2019, they expanded to 10 clubs, and the round one average was... 30, I'm sorry, the average scores in round one were 36.4 to 25.6. So you had an average of 62 points combined scored in those five games in round one in 2019. Now, in 2020, the comp expanded to 14 teams. And there certainly is a valid argument that you could have that adding four clubs in a single year might have been too big of a challenge to overcome, that maybe they spread the talent pool too thin, which is why... They're talking about holding off adding clubs like Essendon and Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. And I can't recall off the top of my head the last club that's not in the AFLW. Uh, is it Sydney? I think it might be, actually. Um, in 2020, they, they fell back a little bit in terms of the average scores. Okay, In round one, the average score was 33.4 to 16.6, so about 50 points per game scored. In round one. Now this year, 14 teams again, 14 clubs this year, we saw an average score in the seven games of round one of 52.3 to 24.4. So almost 77 points scored per game. Now, I know this is not the 145 to 113 contest with with uh, Jason Dunstall and Gary Ablett Sr., going head-to-head and, you know, kicking a dozen goals apiece. I, we're not at that point yet, okay? We're not at that point in in women's footy. But it is, uh, it's improving quite a bit, you know. So you had a bit of a dip um, in last year's scoring, you know, going back to 2017. The clubs, again, have increased by almost 50% going back between 2017 and the 2021 opening round and almost 50% increase in scoring. Now, if this was an investment, you'd be going back to your stockbroker or your money manager or whoever it was asking, how can I buy more of this and add it to my portfolio? And when you really stop and think about it, that's exactly what the AFLW is. It's an investment. It's an investment in half of the population of Australia and part of the population of Let's be honest, Ireland and hopefully the United States with more players being able to make the journey there to play in the competition. But it is a it's a conscious decision that the AFLW made that the excuse me, the AFL made to bring the women's game to the national stage. And I think this year that return on the investment is going to be even greater because you're going to have an even better product on the field than you've had. Hopefully COVID just goes away and, you know, doesn't rear its ugly head again. I know we're going to talk about what's going on in uh, West Aust- Western Australia here in just a moment. But hopefully this allows the women's game to grow even more. And it inspires more and more young women to get involved in playing the game. And and I've talked about this in other episodes, and I remember trading emails with people. You know, it could be 5, 10, 15 years from now before the women's game becomes something that you can't really, uh, you know, other than the names being different and that sort of thing. And maybe the, maybe the grounds are playing on, I don't know, but by then maybe they're playing on the same grounds. 
I think the competition is well on its way to becoming a viable game. We saw games that were sold out. You know, granted, they were giving away tickets to, to youngsters, to children, but parents were having to buy tickets, and they were doing that. Now, part of that was getting out to see the games, but part of that was, quite frankly, getting out of the house after being sequestered away for much of the last year. So that was, that was great to be able to do that. You know, we had some terrific performances this past week. You know, you had Fremantle's uh, Sabrina Duffy and Gemma Houghton. They kicked six goals three between the two of them in the Dockers' big win over GWS. And that was the, the last game of the weekend. I actually just watched that this morning, I believe, at school. I had that on. I didn't get a chance to finish it, though. I'm going to watch the rest of it tomorrow. You know, Aaron Phillips did her best imitation of, well, Aaron Phillips, quite frankly, kicking two goals three in the... In the, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the 2019 premieres, because they're technically the defending premieres, because we didn't have a premiership last year, uh, their win over the Eagles. Emma King had a monster game against the Cats. I'm a Cats supporter. It was impressive. First of all, I've never seen anybody wearing number 60 in footy, so that was kind of cool seeing that. But she had three goals in the first quarter, and she had 30 hitouts during the course of the game. She was dominant. She was a dominant player for North Melbourne this past week against the Cats. And, and again, I'm not trying to be a Cats apologist here. If you did watch the game, you might be able to argue that the, the game was closer than the score indicated. And, and again, you could also argue, no, it wasn't. You know, the Cats moved the ball around fairly well in between the, uh, the arcs, between the circles. But they couldn't get it into their forward 50 very often. As you know, they got, a, they got a goal in what you might call garbage time right before the game ended. You know, it was an ugly contest. I believe they were scoreless at halftime. And they were almost scoreless at the end of the, comp, at the, end of the game as well. But, you know, hopefully it'll look better for them going forward. Now, I know there are some of you that are out there that are footy purists. You're, you're, you are AFL only. Maybe, maybe you're old enough that it's strictly VFL or Sandful or Waffle or wh- whatever comp it happens to be. Uh, and you may consider the women's, co- the women's game as little more than a distraction to just occupy the minds of fans until the opening bounce between the, uh, the Tigers and the Blues on March 18th. Whatever opening, you know, whatever opening game happens to be. Now, even though I'm just a dumb American that's only been following the game since 2017, I think I can safely say that, that I'm right on this. I, I, I think that the women's comp is a great deal of fun. And uh, I, I believe I'm actually recording this during what what is uh, women's like sports, international sports day, something of that nature. Um, you know, if you're not watching the games... I think you should give it a chance. You know, one, it's footy. And if you love the game, it is the game. Okay? I'm, you know, I'm sure you go out and watch the, the local leagues and the senior leagues and that type of thing. This isn't a whole lot different. I mean, granted, it's, it's older players and improving skill sets, but this is a group that's trying to establish something for the next generation. Okay? Some of these players that are out there right now are going to be the coaches of these clubs in 10, 15 years. Okay, so it's a, it's a great deal of fun. And, and to me, the highlight of this round, it happened right in my classroom. Now, I've told this story a number of times. You know, I get to school at 6 o'clock in the morning pretty much every morning. And, and we don't actually start our school day until 8, 8.05. So I'm there 
quite a bit in the morning by myself. It's quiet. I have my coffee. I'll have my, you know, toast or protein bar, whatever I happen to having, having happening to have for breakfast that morning. And if there's a game on or bounce or, you know, AFL tonight or AFL 360 or whatever, I'm watching, you know, if it's a game that was on the previous night that I didn't happen to watch. And I, uh, I turned on the uh, Saints and Bulldogs game, and uh, that had and that came on at like three o'clock in the morning my time, and I wasn't staying up for that because uh, it was a school night, it was a work day, and I was you know, I was watching the game, and my students started coming into the classroom around seven thirty in the morning, and some of them will come in. I actually you know I have a couple that will come in. They'll bring their breakfast with them. They'll sit there. They'll do some work on their computer. Some of them will just come in and chat, that sort of thing. And uh, these are the same kids that saw a few of the men's contests back at the start of our school year in September. So they, they've seen the game a little bit. You know, yeah, again, you know, during the offseason, I'm not watching the games in my classroom. I've got other things that I'm working on. But when the games are on, I'm definitely going to be watching them. And they got to watch about a half an hour of the, uh, the Saints and Bulldogs game. And... Uh, Bonnie Toogood kicked one of her goals, and it was it was. I to me it was it was priceless because one of my students looked at me and, and she said, "Is that really her name? Is her name really Toogood?" And I told her that it was, and I said, "In fact, she is pretty darn good." So you know we don't get to watch the entire game in my room because you know once the school day starts, I have to shut it off and we get going with what we're doing in class. But it's a lot of fun seeing the kids getting exposed to it. And realizing that there are other types of activities out there around the world besides American football or soccer or baseball or basketball or whatever the case may be. That there are other types of competitions like this. And, and you know, some, of the, some of the young people, the kids that are playing soccer and some of the ones that are playing football, they really see that this is, a, uh, this is an interesting competition. Now, there's not really an option around here for us to do a whole lot with, with this game. Um, you know, my son lives out of state, and I've, I've suggested to him, he's somebody who played baseball very competitively. He played on his club baseball team when he was in college. Uh, you know, he ran cross country. He's played uh, rec league soccer and plays it like a highly competitive, like a frisbee. It's like frisbee football, if you will is you know, plays that really competitively and in the area where he lives on the east coast of the united states there's a group that is beginning to uh organize to just go around and have a kick and and uh explore the game and with the hopes of possibly introducing a club maybe in the future in the usafl in that community it's a big it's a big city it's several hundred thousand people so i mean the, the opportunity would be there and I'm trying to, you know, convince him that he should maybe check this out once the weather warms up and they get out there and try to do that because I, th- I think he would have a blast with it. You know, it's competitive and it, it contains a lot of the elements of things that he has done, um, in his life. So I'm, I'm just hoping that he'll, he'll check it out and, and give it a shot. And I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Now, enough about that. I wanted to jump into my tips for this round, and they're going to go quick because there's only five games. Um. Carlton and the Bulldogs. Well, I've got the Blues getting into the win column this week and scratching out a, a hard-fought win against the Bulldogs. 
It's going to be close. I've got the Blues winning this one by seven points. Carlton really scuffled this past week against Collingwood, and I think they're going to turn it around. You know, the Bulldogs played a terrific game against the Saints. They came up short. I do think Carlton at this point in time is a stronger club overall. I've tipped them to be, in, be playing finals, so I better start tipping them to start winning some games since they lost the first one. So I've got them winning that by seven. Got Collingwood and Gold Coast, and I've got the Magpies winning this one, going to 2-0 on the season and beating the Suns by nine points. Uh, yeah, Ashley Sheridan had a fantastic game last week. I have a feeling she'll have another one this week. Richmond and Melbourne. The D's are going to be 2-0 after this contest. They're going to knock off the Tigers this week. Now, the Tigers are still, they're, they're getting better. They're, they're playing better than they, they played last year. And, let's, and I think they would be you know, readily admitting that, that they scuffled last year. They, they had a hard time scoring points last year. I think they're going to be an improved club, but I think at this point in time, they're not on the D's level at, at this moment. So I've got the D's winning this one by 11 points. I'm going to jump down to the last game that I have listed here, and then I'm going to come back to the game of the week. And I've got Geelong and Brisbane. And as much as it pains me to do this, I'm going to tip the lines in this contest, and I've got them winning by 10 points. I think it, I think it's going to be a much more high-scoring affair for the Cats. I think they're going to score more than nine points. I hope they score more than nine points. I mean, they, they moved the ball pretty well. They just could not put it between the sticks. They couldn't get it inside 50. Hopefully another week of practice will allow them to, to improve upon that. I think the Lions will take this the four points here and, like I said, win it by 10. I want to go back to, I'm just going to say it right here, this is the game of the week for this week. North Melbourne and St. Kilda. Now, for those of you who are AFL purists, when's the last time you said, that, hey, North Melbourne and St. Kilda, that's the game of the week. You probably haven't said that in a while. But to me, in AFLW, this is the game of the week, okay? The Saints, they came off a hard, they're coming off a hard-fought win against the Bulldogs last week. And the Roos, I'm sorry, I hate to use this terminology. You know, they're coming off uh, their dissection of the Cats. A lot of us did that in biology class when we were growing up. That's exactly what happened, though. Uh, I think it's going to be a much closer contest. You know, I think that St. Kilda is a better club than, than the Geelong Women's Club at this point in time. So I've got the Ruse winning this in by 13. But I think it's going to be a, uh, a bang-up contest. But I think North right now is, is the class of the, uh, of the comp. And until somebody knocks them off, I think that's going to continue. So I've got North winning this one by... 13 points. And we know we've got two contests that were postponed. GWS and West Coast and Adelaide and Fremantle were both supposed to be playing this week. Uh, they've been postponed due to the five-day um, hard lockdown in Western Australia. Hopefully things get cleared up and COVID is dissipated in Australia. You know, we're, we're seeing numbers drop here. Again, much bigger country. The... Uh, Vaccines are starting to show up, and people are getting them. Uh, my mom, my uncle got theirs this past week. They got the first dose of it. They have to go back and get the second. But hopefully everybody can get back to playing footy the following week. Okay? Now, I wanted to get into a couple of stories this week. Uh, one I just want to touch on kind of quickly, and uh, it's one that, that surprised a lot of people, I think. 
And that was Tom Scully's unexpected retirement from the Hawks. I don't think anybody saw that one coming other than maybe the people within Hawthorne. And the article that I linked to in the show notes, uh, Clark was stating that he tried to talk him out of making what he called a rash decision and stepping away. But he said that, that Scully confessed to him that he was just completely cooked. He was burned out from the game. That he's given, you know, this is somebody who's kind of a perfectionist when it comes to playing the game, and he was just worn out. He couldn't continue playing at that level or practicing at that level and decided, I needed to step away. And again, it, it's sad to see somebody stepping away from something that they, that they love, that they've been doing probably for the last... 25 years. I'm not exactly sure how early Aus kick starts, but I would think it's what, five or six, maybe seven. So at least 20 years he's been playing this game every winter and he's stepping away from it at age 29. And, uh, you know, he, he played 187 games over his 11 years between the D's, the Giants, and the Hawks. And I think, you know, even if you're not a fan of his club, I think any, any player who has gone out there and given their all on the grounds to entertain us and possibly, you know, break the hearts of, of your club. You, you still want to wish them well in retirement because they've, they've laid it all out there for our entertainment. You know, they're kind of like the, the modern day gladiators, if you will. The other story, this is, this is, this is one that I, I'm really trying to figure out how the best way to address it. And, uh, it, and like I said, it's the proverbial elephant, proverbial elephant in the room. And unless you haven't been paying attention to the, the media, the sports media especially, over the last few days, you know what I'm going to talk about here. And that is the report that is coming out or has come out. I don't believe the report has been actually released so the public can read it yet, but excerpts have been released. And I'm talking about what's going on with the Magpies and the Magpies front office. And earlier in the week, I believe it was Monday... Eddie McGuire, CEO, Mark Anderson, and the uh, couple of members in the, the club's integrity committee, Jody Sizer and Peter Murphy, held a press conference. And they were there to talk about that 35-page internal study that was completed uh, that was to dig into the issue of systemic racism. racism. And this, folks, I'm going to be honest with you, this, this is a topic that, sure, needs to be addressed, absolutely needs to be addressed. But I, I feel a little awkward bringing this up again because, you know, I, I, here I am. I'm an outsider. I, I've never been to Australia before. I've, I've read, and I'm going to get into this, I've read some of the things that have gone on, things that have been said uh, by people who are going to be referenced here. Things that could certainly be referred to as insensitive or racist. But this is, this is not me... And I want to get this out in front of everything here. This is not me saying that anybody definitely is or is not racist. That's not, it's not my place to say that. I can't, I can't say that because like I said, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not an expert on Collingwood. I'm just going by what I've read in the several articles that I have linked in the show notes. It looks pretty scary and pretty depressing what's going on within the, the Magpies Club over the last number of years. And uh, like I said, I, I, uh, I find it interesting because there are some conflicting reports. 
again, you know, and I, I, I'm not sure if it was common knowledge before this week, but one of the articles that I read said, said that the report was received by the club several days before Eddie McGuire announced that he was going to be stepping down at the end of this year. And one of the other articles that I've linked to, and it's the one, uh, it's a Brisbane paper that I linked to, said that the report was received two days after Eddie McGuire announced that he was stepping down. So my, my, my supposition there, my thought is that, okay, maybe they didn't actually have the report at that point in time, but maybe parts of it got leaked to him Allowing him, you know, telling him, hey, you know what, you better get out in front of this and announce your resignation at the end of the year before it gets released. I don't know which one of those things is true. I don't know if they actually got the report before he resigned or if he resigned before they got the report. I don't know. But for somebody who's been the president of the club for a couple of decades, I don't think that he can deny that he didn't know what was going on within the club because from some of the things that were reported, some of this is falling on his shoulders directly. And, you know, the press conference, it might be one of the more awkward things that uh, has happened. And it's really, it's really odd for somebody who is so media savvy because, you know, let's be honest, Eddie McGuire is everywhere. You know, he's on... He's on Fox Footy. He's announcing games. He's in he's in the uh, the studio talking about the game. He's on the radio. He's doing radio here on satellite radio in the United States. I don't know if that's coming back this year or not. I'd love to be a guest on it to talk about things. You know, he's done television programs from what I've heard. I believe he's the uh, or is or was the host of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Australia. I've not seen it, but I think I've seen pictures of him hosting that. So you would think somebody who has all of that experience in media and talking in front of cameras and that sort of thing, that they would have done a better job with their press conference. Because it, it sure sounded like he was a little bit tone deaf, okay? You know, it seemed like his, uh, his statement was a little cold, and maybe he could have done a better job of presenting it because he started out basically saying that it was a quote-unquote historic and proud day for the Magpies as they pushed towards their approach towards confronting racism. And don't get me wrong, the confronting racism part absolutely needs to be done. Okay, if it's there, it needs to be done. People are people. You know, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, Jr. here in the United States, uh, one of his quotes that I have hanging in my classroom, you know, referencing, you know, hoping to be judged on the content of his character rather than the color of his skin. I don't think we can do anything more than that for, for anybody, whether that's in the United States, whether it's in Australia, if it's in Europe, it's in Asia, whatever the case may be. You know, treat, treat people with respect, and they'll treat you with respect, hopefully. And if, and if you don't, that's where you are able to, you know, exercise them from your sphere of, of your life. You get, you know, you get them outside of your, uh, 
your purview. You you know, you just avoid them then. But you know to say that uh, to say that you know that they're you know, that they're they're it's a historic day and they're proud. Now are they proud that they're going to confront racism? Maybe that's what he meant. But why didn't they do it before? Or maybe they did. Maybe they didn't do it well enough. Because you know there's there's two sides to this coin, and I'm and I'm going to talk about and just touch on a couple of the uh, the other things that that have come out of this in some of the other articles. You know, he, he stated that uh, that they're, quote, not a mean-spirited club. We're not a racist club. We're a club that tries to do well, and we made mistakes, quote. He also said, we make mistakes, we learn, we strive to do better. That, to me, that's a, that's a great statement there. Yeah, okay, we screwed up. Let's try to improve. Now, if that's genuine, if that's happening, fantastic. But if those things have been going on for a number of years, why didn't they correct those things, oh, I don't know, years ago? Why didn't they identify those issues and, uh, and try to fix those things years ago? Now, uh, he also said, if we're going to get anywhere, we need to get past this idea of tearing down people, tearing down institutions who are prepared to look at themselves. Now, that's an interesting statement right there, and I, and I, I teach government here in, this, in the U.S. to high school students, so I spend a lot of time watching politicians talking, and to me, that's a little bit of a political statement. It's kind of like, you know, let me, let me fix the mistakes that were made. Don't, don't, don't get rid of me. Allow me to be the one to fix the mistakes, is what he's saying there, so... Is that a statement where he's hoping that they get things fixed in 2021 and he's able to still hang on as president? I don't know. I, I have a feeling he's probably done at the end of this year, if not before. Who knows? Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it was kind of an interesting statement. And a couple of the articles that I linked to, uh, one in particular was, a, uh, was an editorial. Uh, and it's in the Inner Sanctum article that I've linked there. And it was ri- written by... Uh, uh, Trisha Mifsud, and I hope I, I pronounced her name correctly, she hypothesized about what Eddie McGuire should have said during the press conference. So she kind of, you know, she kind of rewrote what his statement should have been. And again, the one thing that didn't happen there in that, in that entire press conference, there was no apology. There wasn't a, any, yeah, we've screwed up. We need to do better. I'm sorry. I, I don't think that occurred. And, you know, apologizing could certainly go a long way towards trying to mend any broken bridges, if you will. Now, I've, I've read, you know, the comments that were directed towards Adam Goods back in 2013. I've, I've watched video on the things that, that happened where he, you know, he first was beginning to experience comments coming out of the stands and, and looking like that was, you know, just an awful situation all the way around in terms of, of who it was that was making the comment and, you know, him feeling a little bad about having called out somebody as young as they were. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen the thoughts, uh, and I'm hoping I get this, this name correctly uh, as well. Is it Heritier Lumumba? And I think the last name I've got correct, but the first name I'm probably getting incorrect. You know, he's been critical of the Magpies climate during his playing days, and it sounded like that helped to shorten his time with the club, you know, having left a few years ago. 
You know, he's taken a lot of heat for his stance about the climate in Collingwood. And maybe this report is proving that the things that he had stated, because he, he was kind of vilified from what I have gathered, that maybe he, maybe he was correct. Now, some of the things, if you haven't looked at any of the articles yet, some of the things that the, uh, that the study found, and I'm just, this is not me saying this, this is what the study had said. So it said there's a gap between what Collingwood Football Club says it stands for and what it does. The club is more likely to react to media coverage about a racist incident than complaints made within the club. Collingwood's response has often been perceived as one where claims of racism are dealt with in terms of damage control and protecting the brand. And I don't think the, I think it's safe to say that those kinds of things have happened in other organizations in professional sports here in the United States. You know, that sort of thing has happened in lots of places. That that's not exclusive to the Magpies. Okay, uh, those who have raised issues felt they paid a high price for speaking out. That could be what happened with Mr. Lumumba. 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 I'm sorry about that. It diminishes the ability of the club to resolve the dispute internally. And the last thing that it listed here, it heightens the risk of public grievance and negative publicity that impacts the club, its staff, its players, and its supporters. As, as if supporters of other clubs need a reason to give Magpie supporters more grief and vice versa. You know, it's that's why I end, you know, my podcast, we're fans, we're fans of our club. We all love this game. Okay, that's, that's one of the things, again, I love about the fact that I came to the game as late in life as I did because I, I, don't, I don't hate other clubs. I don't dislike supporters of other clubs. Okay, so it's, uh, to me, it's a, uh, that's been a bit of a blessing. Now, what was really interesting, it, it was a, uh, a piece from uh, Kane Corns. And he was on uh, SEN South Australia after the press conference. And he said he was wondering how Nathan Buckley and Scott Pendlebury felt about this. How they felt about the press conference. And he, and again, you know, Kane Corns, you know, knows more about the game than, than I'll ever know. And I'm not, a lot of people don't agree with him. A lot of people think that he, people think that he says things that are, controversial okay it gets listenership it gets people tuning in it it challenges your your beliefs on things and gets you to think about things he was arguing that you know what uh these guys have been parts part of the club for a long time they've been integral in either being a player or a coach or being a player and a captain of the club you know what had they done to try to eliminate these things that supposedly were going on within the club. So he said that maybe not all the blame should be falling on Eddie McGuire's shoulders, but some of it should be placed there as well. You know, so it's a, uh, this has been a really difficult thing for me to talk about. Uh, and I, I, I think it needed to be addressed. You know, and I, you know, we've seen a lot of things going on in this country over the last year plus. I, uh, I teach a, a course uh, called Contemporary History Through Film. And those of you who are in the state, actually, if those of you are in Australia, you might have seen this film as well. It's set in 1964. Uh, it's a film called Mississippi Burning. It came out in 1989. It was nominated for Best Picture Academy Award. It was nominated for uh, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, and uh, it deals with 
the civil rights movement in Mississippi uh, deals with the the murder of three civil rights workers. And it's a film that I watch with my students in my my film class. And I tell them, I said, this is a hard film to watch. It's an ugly movie because it the, the racism in the film is overt. It is in your face. There are words that are said in this film that I hope to never say. I'll be honest, I, I know I've not said them in decades. I don't know, I can't recall if I said them when I was a young kid. I don't believe I have. I think I'm, I think I'm a better person than that. But, you know, these are, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids who are watching this film that did happen within my lifetime. I was born in 1963. So it's, uh, it's something that, that the kids need to see because this is something that happened in, in our country. And I, and I challenge them on it. I say, well, you know, apply what you saw in that film. Is it relatable to things that are going on in, you know, present day here in the United States? Is what's going on today... Is it better, worse, different, whatever? Because I want them to think about and, and challenge their own thoughts about what is happening in their lives today and tying it into what they, uh, what they just saw in this film. And it's, it's interesting to watch the kids' reactions because the, they're just shocked by what they're seeing in this film. They're shocked by it. I, I, I'm, I have a hard time watching it, and I've seen the film probably 25 times. It's, it is an ugly, ugly movie, and if you have not seen it, it will give you a, a, a really interesting look at what race relations were like in part of the South in this country back in the early 1960s. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to draw comparisons between what's going on with Collingwood and that. I just, I wanted to point that out that it's something that, you know, that I, that I do address with my students. It's something we do talk about. And, you know, I don't tolerate that. If, you know, I don't tolerate my students being disrespectful to one another, and, and that has nothing to do with necessarily race. I tell, I, I tell my kids, I said, you know, I, I expect you to treat one another with respect. You don't have to like one another. You don't have to, you know, to go to school dances or hang out, whatever, but you're going you're gonna to be decent to one another. And one of the ways I try to emulate that is that I, I, uh, I refer to all of my students uh, by... Like Mr. Smith, Miss Jones, uh, that type of thing. One, because I think it's respectful. It's kind of goes back to my time in the Navy. But two, this is what you, you do when you've been teaching for 27 years. It's one less name you have to learn or remember. Yeah, if I, if I remember that uh, Mr. Smith's name is Bob Smith, well, I might forget Bob, but I'll probably remember the last name. Or if you know, it's Guinevere Jones, I might forget Guinevere. Probably wouldn't forget that name, but... It's just a, it's just a respect thing, and I, you know, we just need to be decent to one another, and hopefully this can start having that happen, in, uh, in at the Holden Center again. Like I said, I'm only five years into, into following the game. I've never been to Australia, so I'm in no way an expert on these issues. Okay, hopefully, I've not been disrespectful to anyone doing this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not excusing or condoning any of these things that, that, that took place. I'm trying not to repeat any of the language and that sort of thing that I've seen because I, I, you can find that. You've heard it before. You've read it before, okay? Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts 
on what this report is going to say once once it gets released, if we get a chance to see what it actually says. I don't know if it's something that's actually going to get released to the public so we can see it. It'd be kind of fascinating to read, but it, it could also be very embarrassing for some people that that work for Collingwood. And, you know, I don't know if there's anything that's going to come out of this from the league, if there are going to be any sanctions uh, by the league against the club, against anybody that's involved in the club. I don't know how that's going to work. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list, get the email get the email sent to you as soon as an episode comes out. That'd be fantastic. I'd love to get that to you. Also, you know, you know, consider taking a look at the Redbubble site, you know, taking a look at the, the you know, Buy Me a Coffee site as well. Those are both linked in the show notes. Uh, love to hear from you on those. If you've got an idea for a show topic or you think there's somebody that uh, would be a great guest, and I'll be honest with you, I have so many guests that I'm trying to just nail down times. I have, I've ta- been talking to some fascinating people online uh, trying to get them on the show. And I'm, I'm very excited ab- about them, and it's just coordinating the time with them. You know, hectic school year at this point in time that uh, I'm hoping that, that I'm going to get a couple days here and there to, uh, to get some interviews done and start banking some of those and getting them out to you. But if you've got an idea for uh, a, a show topic or if you think somebody would be a great guest, send me a DM on Twitter. Shoot me an email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. I'd absolutely love to hear from you about that. And ladies and gents, remember, you can find all the episodes of the podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, every episode is also going to be available on my YouTube channel. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I'd love it if you'd consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. I ask that every week, every episode, and I have to be honest with you, I haven't had anybody give the podcast a review since the end of September. So I've had I've had eight reviews in the uh, 14 months that I've been doing the podcast now, almost 14 months, and the last one was in September. So that's been, what, five months ago? So hopefully I'm still doing an okay job. Um, let's the podcast host know what you think of the show, I guess by not having any reviews. It lets the podcast host know what you think of the show. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, you can reach me, like I said, at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can reach me at Twitter, uh, yank underscore on, as well as on Facebook and Instagram, at yankonthefooty. And hopefully soon, hopefully soon, a yankonthefooty.com will be up and running. Don't go there yet, because there's not a website yet. But I do have that domain name already purchased. I've actually had the domain name for, well, since January of last year. I just haven't done anything with it yet, and I'm at the point now where I'm ready to do something with it. I'm ready to get that website up and running so I can go ahead and have that kind of be the focal point for the podcast, bringing people there, uh, trying to engage with them there. I think it's going to be a a huge uh, positive for the podcast going forward. Okay? And again, please consider signing up for the mailing list. Um... If I do any live episodes, and again, I want to do more live episodes, that mailing list, I will send out a note to those people on that list saying, hey, I'm going to go live at such and such a time if they would want to get on there and uh, and be part of that. Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank all of you for listening, because while many of us are fans of our teams, deep down we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. 
Don't forget those of you who are in the U.S. and Canada that Australian rules football. It's why we invented the DVR. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so very much. I ask you to share this podcast with your friends and family out there in your social media. Tell them about it. Tell them about this crazy American who, who's talking about the game that you all love. They might want to check it out. And ladies and gents, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode number 73 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>